The first lesson this morning comes to, from, uh, to us from Psalm 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O my Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored to me life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved by your favor, O Lord. You had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell you of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19, I decided that we're going to do a sermon series on this, this text and spend the next uh, three weeks uh, on John 21, 1 through 19. It's only after I wrote, well, probably a dissertation on this text and uh, decided, well, all those words need to be heard. So, beginning in John 21, verses 1 through 19. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there were, together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. They caught nothing. But just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples, they came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. For they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, 
bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went abroad aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took bread, and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts Be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, how many hours do you spend eating in a lifetime? A lot. It's believed, you ready for this? It's believed that we spend... 35,000 hours in our life eating. I look like it. That equates to eight years nonstop, 12 hours a day. Did you get to eight years nonstop, 12 hours a day? No wonder we fight the battle of the bulge. We spend billions of dollars on weight loss programs and gym memberships. Well, not so much us. Uh, but, but, and, and exercise equipment, yes, I buy all kinds of exercise equipment. And, and that doesn't even count the actual food that we eat. I've probably spent the equivalent of four years nonstop, 12 hours a day, eating things that I should not eat. High fat, high salt, high phosphates, high potassium, empty calories, and I'm paying for that now, for that lifestyle that I chose. We are what we eat. We battle the bulge. 
we battle weight and we want to fight that so we fight that so we go on diets we go on diets I heard about a group a group of women who who joined a weight loss group and one of the older women had lost a lot of weight much to the chagrin of the younger women and one, one, of the, one of the younger gals said, asked her, how, how did you do that? How, really, how did you do that? And the, the old gal said, well, it's actually been pretty easy. Every evening at 6 o'clock, I take my teeth out. <laughs> see, see dieting, dieting is high on the list of, of New Year's resolutions and, and summer goals. And that's because food has become a preoccupation in our culture. When I first signed up for Facebook and I was starting to friend the people, I would notice how many pictures of food people would post. And my first reaction is, I don't want to see your food. I want to eat your food. I don't care about what you're eating. I mean, I really don't want to see pictures of that. But, but I began to find out that it's a phenomenon of sorts. You ready for this? 16 million posts are on Instagram alone are about food. 16 million. Some people actually make a living out of posting those pictures. They take pictures of food and restaurants and they write blogs about it. They give you reviews of the restaurants and, and food is a big deal for every living creature because we all have to eat. Now I told you how much time you, you've spent eating food. Would you like to know how much food you consume? You, you and I, the average American, will consume 1,996.3 pounds of food every year every year just to put that into perspective that's just 3.7 pounds short of a ton so when someone says whoa I ate a ton of food they did in a year in a year they will have eaten a ton of food 10% of disposable income in America is spent on fast food. 20% of American meals are eaten in the car. It's reported that America, America has now added a fourth meal to go along with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. A fourth meal. Snacks. And they call that a fourth meal. They do. And that's because the chunk of money that is spent on the family budget for snacks. $374 billion a year are spent on snacks. It's a lot of chips. So why all the talk about food? Because I like it. I want, I want to look at the text this morning from the vantage point of spiritual nutrition, of spiritual food versus actual food, from the vantage point of being one of God's sheep, one of his lambs, being in his flock and eating right. 
It's my hope that, that we all want to get off of the spiritual junk food and get healthy spiritually speaking. It, it's one thing to be healthy physically, and, and that's a good thing. And that's a good thing. But I hope your ultimate goal is to be a healthy spiritual person. So let's look at food from a spiritual perspective and look at some fundamental truths about spiritual nutrition. The first thing I want you to notice, the first fundamental, the first fundamental truth about spiritual nutrition is Jesus is to Jesus, his, his flock, his sheep, and his lambs, us are of the utmost importance, first and foremost. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do, do you love me more than these? Either he meant the disciples or these boats or these nets, or these fish. Do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him, second time, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know all things. You know, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So notice the emphasis that, that Jesus has in these conversations. My lambs, my sheep, and my sheep. That's what he's thinking of. That, that's, his, that's paramount in his thinking. Did you notice that in verse 15, it says when, when they had eaten breakfast... And they'd eaten breakfast. Jesus cooked them breakfast. Can you imagine? Jesus cooking you breakfast? If we go back to verse 9, it says that as soon as they came to the land, they, they had been out in their boats fishing. They, they saw a fire of coals. There, there was fish on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've caught. And Jesus invites them to come and eat breakfast. And we're told that Jesus came took bread, I assume that he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and then he did the same thing with fish. Just an FYI, he gives them lean protein and whole grains for breakfast. Just, just let me throw that out there. This is Jesus making breakfast for his disciples. Can you imagine Jesus making breakfast? Breakfast. This is Jesus making breakfast. Thank, thank goodness this is not communion. Bread and wine or juice. Can you imagine bread and fish at 10.30 in the morning? He's cooking breakfast for them, and he speaks to them about others. Jesus is worried about the other, his sheep, his flock, his lambs. I bring this up because I want you to understand that Jesus is always thinking about other people. Always thinking about other people. 
he, he could have said, you know, guys, I've been through this horrible ordeal. I was hanging on a cross, and you guys left me hanging there. You could have, you, you, you could, he could have talked about all that. But, but he's telling them, while he's cooking them breakfast, about how much he cares for his flocks, for his sheep, for us. Because that's just how Jesus operated. He was always thinking about others. It, it, it's how he saw people. In Matthew, in chapter 9, we're told when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were wearied and scattered like sheep. So here is Jesus caring deeply for people who are wandering in life like sheep. And they need a shepherd. And he wants to be that shepherd, to nurture them, to care for them. And you know that he often referred to his believers, us, as his sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, the classic passage, the classic passage in the Gospel of John in chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and I am known by my own, and I lay down my life for the sheep, my sheep. Did you hear that? I lay down my life for my sheep. So since he lays down his life for the sheep, the, the sheep then are his principal concern. And that's what's paramount to him, his sheep us. He laid down his life for us. And we are called to remember that. We are called to remember his concern and his sacrifice. The sacrifice that Jesus made for us at this table, his table, a table of remembrance. To remember that Jesus was born of Mary, he taught he lived, he suffered, he died, was buried for three days and rose again so that our sins might be forgiven and we might have eternal life. My friends, in the name of Jesus Christ, I invite you all, all of you that have been baptized in the triune God, to come and sup at this table, to be fed, to be nourished, to have your hunger and thirst be quenched now and forevermore. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Ken Goodrich, and I'm humbled that you took the time to listen to this podcast. I pray that the Holy Spirit moves you to ministry and that if you don't have a church home, that you are able to find one. Please feel free to tune in on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 12.20 p.m. for our Bible studies, on Thursdays at 10 a.m. for our Learning Center courses, and of course on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. for our worship. Just go to fpclc.org to see all our various programs and events. Thanks again, and God bless you and keep you safe. May God embrace you and keep you in his countenance. Peace.